Off the ball. Feels like we're in the running already. There's still half a season to go. I'm not sure how long you can maintain that sort of nervous energy, that emotional intensity. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. And you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through to five. This is Football Saturday. As always, remember football and Off the Ball brought to you by Sky. The Premier League is back. Watch every live game for the rest of the season on Sky Sports, BT Sports, and Premier Sports for streaming the conversation. You can listen on your radio across the country on News Talk and also watch us if you'd like on the digital and social channels for Off the Ball on YouTube, Facebook, the OTB Sports app, and on Twitter. Delighted to be joined in studio by the football correspondent of the Irish Independent, Dan McDonnell, and the broadcaster and journalist Johnny Ward. How are we both, lads? Good, JD. Very good. You win the sartorial stakes for anybody watching today, Johnny. You're wearing a, a blue blazer and a paisley shirt. Thanks to thanks to Collar and Coffee, Decky, big uh, fan of the show, and um, there's there's that uh, plug straight away. But yeah, I was just doing a bit of work today, and I just couldn't be arsed changing my clothes. To be honest, the, the, what he said over work, he was on TV this morning, and he's kept his TV clothes on for the rest of the day, mm. just in case someone spots him and says, oh, "Didn't even didn't saw I you on TV earlier on." Have to make up on as well. You're wearing, I mean, like a pro like Damien Delaney, who's on the line, would not if he's on TV. He he wouldn't look around wearing his sort of TV clobber for the rest of the day and, in bed and rock all. into a radio show <laughs> yeah. in the same gear. But I mean, he is very sartorial, Johnny, but it's sort of wheeler dealer. Well, the, well. And we know, the reason why we know it's wheeler dealers because you're wearing Gian, Gianni Infantino runners as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, they're hidden. You actually tried to flog me some tickets in the ads there as well. Any stakes going? Yeah. Uh, Spoke about a troubled youth and all that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Damien, good to talk to you. Uh, have you been able to kind of lose the suit when you're walking out of TV studios? Well, you know, Dan would would say something like that, but he'd be surprised, you know, sometimes I do rock around Cork in my uh, Virgin Media gear. <laughs> Hoping to be noticed like Johnny. Ah, hang on now. Carrying the microphones a bit. Not having that. Yeah, yeah. Not having that. I like a bit of work, you know. You are on with Ireland the end this morning, but was it Martin King, was it? Yeah, yeah. God, how long is Martin Two? King in the game now? Like, I was trying to think. He's had a great, st- TV a great run. Start. Yeah, he's very great to deal with. Quarter of a century. But we're looking back a bit on the game last night and... Uh, Two had a bit of a chat about a bit of a kind of precursor to this. I mentioned the show as well, Jiddy. In fact, in fact, um, I made a rare trip to the, the dry cleaners this week on Patrick Street, and he said, "I love your radio show." So That's there we very go. Nice and, yeah. Yeah. Who's your favourite presenter you've worked with today, um, King or Duggan? Well, well, we've only started. Great game last night. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there we are. Yes, it's dry cleaners. I tell you, yeah, it's a long way from that. You're rare. Yeah, um, Damien, I hope you're well. Uh, last night we'd um, FA Cup action, Arsenal City. And I suppose they're setting the tone in the in the league so far this season, and uh, an entertaining watch if maybe a bit of a, a phony war ahead of the league running. Yeah, I think so, and I think at, um, I think Mikel Arteta will be um, behind closed doors, absolutely delighted um, with the with the result, um, especially European action kicking off again. Um, the last thing you want to do as a manager is to you know intimate to your players that you don't want to. Um, you don't want to win this game or you'd be happy to get out of it because they're on such a good run at the moment. You want to keep that up. But I think in his quieter moments, he would half be saying to himself, do you know what? I would love a valiant defeat here and just get out of the FA Cup and then we can get focused on Europe and the Premier League again. And I think last night was the perfect night for him. You know, he had to show to his players and probably gave him a, a bit of a dressing down afterwards for things he maybe did or, or didn't do correctly. Um, and uh, he wakes up this morning and he's, he's happy because they'll more than likely have a, a possibly have a free weekend now, which gives him a chance to uh, you know um, have a weekend off, maybe get the team away for some sunshine in, in, in February when the next round is on, um, and then the, the European stuff kicks off again. So um, although he would never admit anything of like that publicly, and he would always come out and say, you know, we wanted to win the game, look at the team I picked, you know, it was a, a strong team, I wanted to win it, um, but I think um, this morning he'll be... 
uh, I suppose, relieved, I suppose, would be the word, but quietly pleased. They're trying to get Caseda in from Brighton at the moment. That's in flux, that transfer, potentially, uh, Damien. Do you think they can go all the way? Think they can win this um, Premier League? I, absolutely, with the, with the position that they're in. No, they'll be disappointed if they don't. You know, if they go on and finish second uh, in the league, they will be... You know, obviously saying that you know we've made progress and we've you know we had a chance to win the league and we we're just a couple of players short or, or whatnot. But the position they find themselves in now, um, you know, the supporters, the owners, the manager, the players would be bitterly disappointed if they didn't go on and win it. Um, but one thing I will say about about Arsenal this year is they've been absolutely incredible. Lost one game to Manchester United, and they've never had a period where you know, and and every team gets it. You know, two or three games in a season where you lose one, draw two couple of results go, a couple of uh, decisions go against you. You can't seem to to get a win. Then City close the gap from potentially eight down to two or three. No, the pressure comes on, and every team will have to deal with that at some point. Man City, you could argue, have had theirs, and if Man City can put themselves in a position that when Arsenal have their little bit of a wobble, and they will, it's inevitable. Um, every team has it. Um, that if Man City can put themselves in a position, they'll fancy themselves to go on and win it. But it's how they deal with that Arsenal. That little period, you know eight, nine days where they just, the gap gets down to three and they're going into that next game, that fourth game and think we need a win here today. Doesn't matter what it aesthetically looks like or how it plays out. We just need to get a win today. And if they can just get the the momentum back up again, they can absolutely do it for sure. So um, I would be, you know, shocked if they they went to season um, in the type of form and getting the results that they're getting. Um, There will be a period and it's how they deal with that. Um, and what I like is they've got players in their squad now and Gabriel Jesus and Zinchenko that have won numerous league titles um, and they've got a lot of players now who have uh, a pretty good experience like Granite Xhaka uh, in the side um, and obviously if they can add Casado to the, to, to the squad um, you know absolutely they can go and do it for sure Yeah they've got 50 points from 19 games if they double that it'd be 100 I don't think that's going to happen as Damien says with six changes last night I kind of felt mm, maybe City might have this they up to gear in the second half what has really impressed me by City is Grealish's form. I think he's playing really, really well. Even the even the movement and the strength that he had to hold off that uh, uh, the defender for the goal that Ake scored. He was he was probably their best player, I think. And um, he was, as you mentioned, JD, he was so so good for the goal. He you, the, you mentioned the movement and the strength, but the the decision to delay that pass for Ake and obviously the other crucial aspect of that goal is that Saka just like made a really really stupid move to you know where Grealish was essentially covered and um, he went in as a double man on him which he could have blocked the ball but he didn't and it was a forward thing to do and he's been brilliant uh, this season and that allowed Aki that chance and what a beautiful finish but um, I'd more or less agree with what Dame was saying there I, I if I were um, Arteta I would have been absolutely delighted with last night because Arsenal carried their confidence into the game, they were very good in the first half. Some of uh, Nketiah's touches were great, I thought. Trussard did very well on his debut. And obviously they were really missing Odegaard, but they were the better team in the first half. And as much as you say, um, City did kind of, they, they, they kind of turned it on a little bit between Arsenal's sort of last chance in the first half and the goal. There was no fluidity about that Man City performance at all. And I, I was intrigued by Pep's interview beforehand where he was really, really tetchy for some reason. Because he was asked all the questions about, about Arteta. Yeah. And it was, it was like, yeah, but I mean, just answer them and just have a bit of a laugh about it and all this stuff, but you're going to have a glass of wine afterwards and he kind of just walks off. Um, so it seems to have gotten to him a bit, but just in terms of the way Man City played, I thought they defended well. But Kevin De Bruyne was, was completely on the periphery of the game and Haaland was really well marshaled, um, barely touched the ball inside the box. His, his touches outside the box were very hit and miss and I just thought City looked like a team that 
you know, they didn't create many chances. Very few shots on target. They didn't look like they really um, knew what they were doing in terms of the old man city. And I, I'd agree with, with Damon. I think Arsenal are probably nearly the only team in the country that would have been really didn't give that much of a damn about the FA Cup because it, it could impede on... The, they may not have the squads that others have and it could impede on their league challenge. Uh, uh, looking at them last night, I, I'd be fairly confident that they have a great chance to win the league. I thought they were really good. They, there's something about them. Um, and Man City, for me, and I, I watched them against Man United in the derby, didn't think they were great that day either. The, the former De Bruyne, for me, is definitely concerned because he's just in and out of games. And he doesn't look fit, Johnny, does he? Yeah, like, I, I don't know. I don't want to yeah. say he looks overweight, but he... He, like that may be a bit harsh, but he certainly looks a little bit chunkier than what he what he has done. He doesn't look to be moving around the, the field as as fluidly as what he, he used to. But I don't know if the lads agree or, or not. Mm. I suppose he's getting a bit older. I mean, I don't know. Like it seems a very <clears throat> I know. Like on the strength of a couple of you know dodgy months, I suppose in the World Cup he wasn't he wasn't terrific either. Um, and like it's, I don't know, it's 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 been a demanding couple of seasons for some of those players. You know, like you see what's happened in Liverpool this year. You know, and <clears throat> it's natural that you're going to have some kind of drop off. But um, yeah, no, I mean, I see what Johnny's saying. Like, yeah, I, I thought Arsenal would have probably come away as as sort of demo suggests, like reasonably happy. Even when they went one 0 down and then Martinelli came on, they really looked like a team. Like you know, it's like okay, they're not, they weren't sort of. Um, Afraid, but I'm just sort of curious, uh, Damien. Like I know it seems a bit daft when he he scored a hat trick against Wolves, but do you think certain teams are learning to defend against the Haaland City team a little bit more? I don't know. I, I mean, it's, it's yeah. like, you can look silly within a game if you say something like this, but Arsenal yeah, seems okay. Are you, you're talking about like a guy who scores 25 goals. Um, you know, do you look less fluid with him? Um, I, I couldn't. I couldn't agree. I think he's brilliant at what he does. I mean, Man City for so long was so good without a, a number nine. I know they get an extra body in midfield and maybe they dominated a bit more. But I just think you look at the Man City in midfield now. Um, been on the road a long time. Battle hardened team. Maybe some players are slightly fatigued. The likes of Gundogan. Um, maybe you know there's probably a revamp needed in the middle of that City in midfield. Some serious energy. Some serious legs because it just looks like it's lacking a little bit. Um, I know you guys are saying that you're really impressed with Grealish. I'm still not sold on him for this Man City team. Right, like he he he, he slows it down too much, and I'm not, it's not a, it's not a, a dig at him at all. You know, he's a, he's a fantastic player. I'm just, I'm not. I, I never saw the fit with Pep. You know, mm. um, at, at Villa taking so many touches. You know, players are making runs, breaks are on, and Grealish just wins so many folds and everyone says well that's not his fault and he, he draws the folds he looks for them um you know and he, he he leaves his body there for a split second longer and when he feels the contact he goes down i think that disrupts man city's rhythm um and i know that when graham soon has had a cut off him in the media there was an interview not long afterwards with Grealish, where Grealish said something along the lines of you know why would i listen to someone like graham Sooners when my manager pep guardiola is telling me take take as many touches as you need hold on to the ball and i thought to myself that can't be true i i, I can't envisage pep saying that to him you know have two three touches come square across the pitch all of a sudden players are making runs the defense are getting back and then you get a foul and now they're all back in their shape and and i think that kind of fluidity um, they're missing. When you look what Mares gives them on the other side, the direct, penetrative runs, um, picking the ball up, driving, going inside, outside, a lot more dynamic than what Grealish gives you. And yes, the argument we made, it's not Jack Grealish's fault, he's the most foul player, people foul him. 
I, I think he knows what he's doing a lot of the time, Jack Grealish. It's just something that's ingrained in him. You know, like I said, just has that extra second, split second on the ball. Because he knows that the contact is coming. And he knows that if he moves it a bit quicker, he can skip away, but he doesn't. And I just think that affects their fluidity. So I think Man City have been incredibly successful the last number of years. And Pep will know there's probably a little bit of a... Rebuild's a bit harsh, but maybe a little refurb uh, needed on the midfield. Um, and I think in the summer, that's where they're going to go big. Um, but I, I can envisage any team being any worse off without the likes of uh, Haaland in it. I just, I just, I just can't. I, I, it's not that the yeah. worst off. It's just, I was scrolling our teams. Maybe it's more that, like even Guardiola afterwards. I don't know if people caught his interview afterwards, but he was sort. He was of, nicer, yeah. Well, he was nicer, but he was saying that maybe they got the ball forward a little bit quicker, you know, at times in the second mm. half, and he was, and maybe that that points to more. It's about a service issue than than anything else, and it's what you're sort of suggesting. Like Alvarez was quite good. Was you yeah, know, he was. You, you almost see the glint in Pep's eye when he's mentioned that he's probably. He's probably Pep's type of player in some ways, you know. He works hard. Yeah, well, he, work, he works very hard, but also, like, as as Damon suggests, like, he, he made things happen. He sort of did things quickly, you know. Like, he sort of got shots away, and he was sort of very... Um, he really brought something to them. And, and maybe even just made Arsenal think a little bit more in terms of the movement and the positions he took up. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, was, I can see what you're saying. I mean, Grealish, I always felt like he would probably do better after a year there and he would learn yeah. more just about what was involved and there definitely have been times this season where he's he's been very effective but often it's been coming off the bench as opposed to necessarily mm. being like a dominant player yeah. but actually there have been games where he has come in and been very good and he looks to have become more I don't know was disciplined the word or he, he you know he grasped what's demanded of him at, at times but um, I, I, in saying that I don't know if, if Man City are hypothetically sort of playing a Champions League tomorrow, Champions League final tomorrow or semi-final, is he definitely in the team? Probably Foden, is it? Yeah, Fo- I think I think Foden fits better. Like, I get what Damien's saying in that he does like, he does slow things down and it's probably more a reflection of the way City are playing that he looks he looks good because it, it's staggering to think that in the game against Southampton they didn't have a shot on target. In the game against Man United, I think for about an hour they didn't have a shot on target. And I can't think of any shots on target or at least... Like, I can't think of many shots on target they had before they scored last night. In the first half, they barely had a shot on target. And that intensity, is, like that intensity we've talked about Liverpool, is clearly gone out. The Liverpool, Liverpool are just zapped of energy at the moment. Maybe City are as well. I've, I've said it uh, several times this show, the demands on players are absolutely absurd at the moment, what they're, what they're supposed to do. But that City um, drive and intensity and relentlessness just isn't there at the moment. And I'm not sure they'll be able to flick a switch and turn on. I know they want to win the Champions League more than Anton. Maybe that's what Pep is focusing on. But right now, and if you look at them... Um, I, I just don't see this amazing team. Roy Keane said before the game, they're a machine, they're, they're this, they're that. They're, they're not at the moment. Yeah, he gave them a kick up the backside, uh, Damien, after the Spurs game, uh, Guardiola, when they responded and beat them, what, 4-2. How many times can a manager do that before it, it doesn't work? Well, not many. Um, you know, otherwise it's like, you know, telling off a, a child, eventually that your words just wash over them and they realise that, you know, there's not a whole pile behind it. You know, a lot of those dressing downs you get will involve threats and things like that. And when managers start threatening players about dropping people and leaving people out of squads, all of a sudden, you know, he doesn't follow through on them. It can be can be awkward, awkward for him because he needs those players if a couple of injuries go wrong. So that uh, isn't ideal uh, for Pep. But I don't know, man. I always had this theory with Pep always that like he is almost like views the season as running a marathon. And he just sets off at a nice handy pace. He doesn't overexert the team. He doesn't push it to its limit. You know, he doesn't set off at sprinting pace early on. He did it last year. Remember, I remember 
pre-Christmas, the season before. It was the same type of chat. They're not cooking on all cylinders. They're not really right there. It's almost like he has them. I don't know, Johnny, what's the term, the horse racing term? On the bridle, is it? Or yeah, that's it. That's yeah. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. yeah, nice work. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Talk to you after the show about a proposition for you, actually. I was just thinking of your suit there, Johnny. You look yeah. like a young John McCrick. <laughs> um, just, just seriously. Yeah, a proposition from this man has to be treated with you'll, you'll, you'll great be sold, suspicion. Damien, you'll, you'll have a leg of a horse by nine o'clock tonight. I'll tell you that. And he's gonna, he's got a load of watches inside of his sleeve here. Actually, if you answer seriously, though, like I was, I was, uh, Damo, I was looking at the interview beforehand. I was like, is, 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 is it possibly get to the point where his message is just getting maybe a bit tiring, and he's like, some of the players are probably just like, it's, it's hard going with him at times. No, look, I, I, like playing for Pep is hard. He's so demanding, he's so pushing, and that's why he has to revamp, reinvigorate his squad regularly. And I think that's why he just thinks that probably the the, the midfield just needs a bit of a, a revamp, just that fresh energy, that fresh legs to come into it. And he knows, and like Alex Ferguson with Man United, it all comes in cycles. You know, you have that period of three, four years where you're really, really dominant, and you might have a down year or even 18 months, but you're rebuilding and you're getting the squad set up again. And maybe Man City are, are approaching that now, and they will need a revamp in that area in the next next maybe 12, 18 months. But, um, you know, I, I do have this theory with Pep that he, he does keep his teams, you know, quite cautious um, because he knows that when they come off the bridal thing that he's going to let them go. Uh, and that usually is around the start of the Champions League. He knows that if he can get to maybe the next two or three weeks, if he's still within five, six points of Arsenal, he knows that once he cuts them loose, they can more than capable of of going on that winning run but what he's not going to do is 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 is, is get the team moving in in october november um and then come february they're out in their ass legs and maybe they're suffering a little bit of what liverpool are suffering from the minute where there's no reversing that you cannot get back from from a place of of, of fatigue you cannot get back from a place where players are mentally just drained um and I wouldn't be surprised if in a few years' time comes out Pep's training methods, because, you know, after a few years, they always release them and everyone thinks, God, that's amazing. But it's only releasing them because they've gone on to the next thing and they don't mind everyone knowing it. Um, but I would not I would safely say that that's what he's doing. He's just playing the team in quite a restrained way um, and just kind of almost nice third gear and then cut them loose in February. Uh, maybe that's a bit wild, like, but um, I don't know. I just always think that's that would plausible. Pep. Plausible the way they're playing. Uh, FA Cup fourth round: Blackburn nil, Birmingham one, Bristol City one, West Brom nil, Fulham nil, Sunderland one. These are the goals that have gone in. Walsall nil, Leicester won a result. Ianacho with the winner. Accrington one, Leeds three a result as well. Goalless in the matches involving Ipswich and Burnley, Luton and Grimsby, Sheffield Wednesday and Fleetwood and Southampton and Blackpool in the Championship. Coventry nil, Huddersfield nil, Middlesbrough nil, Watford nil, and Aaron Connolly. Has scored for Hull one nil. Wow. They lead QPR. Well, we will we'll probably feature some Irish sort of second tier strikers. Um, I don't know what tier Connolly's at the moment, but that that's interesting. Yeah, to yeah. Hull and back for Johnny. Johnny's just not interested in Aaron Connolly now. It's all about Evan. You know, like yeah. you've been jumping around the place. <laughs> oh, damn, you were jumping week. around the place with Aaron JD, Connolly. He was like, what was it, about four fifty two last week when he scored? And Dan had seen the goal on a dodgy. It was two weeks ago. It was two weeks ago. Was that two weeks ago? Yeah, you encroached on. Uh, my territory here within people watching on YouTube would have seen Johnny Ward in two out of the four boxes on the screen. Sorry, was as, that you got, as you got as you got so Evan excited. Ferguson's header was last Saturday, or I'm you know you last. lost your you lost your reason two weeks ago uh, when you. Just, oh, no, sorry, but his goal pass. his goal last no his goal last, last week when Dan was in uh, was at the FAI function and he had seen the goal uh, and it was just like talk about putting you in a good mood. He comes off the bench and obviously we'll talk about tomorrow, but. Uh, I was thinking of this during the week. If if he did happen to score against Liverpool tomorrow, then you're like, ah, yeah, yeah, fine. 
the hype, like we don't need to even discuss yeah, him. Yeah. He's going to be amazing, but let's see what happens. Yeah, well, Aaron Connolly, I mean, maybe like, there's, there's stuff going on with Irish strikers at the moment. We might talk about it a yeah. bit later on, but like the, the Obafemi move has just gone through now as well, to, or seems to be going through to Burnley. So um, you kind of wonder in a way, you know, the Evan Ferguson thing, um, it kind of spurs on other players as well too. You know, like there's a, a quite a promising generation of, of players there. Um some of whom have hit sort of roadblocks for whatever reason. Is his um, position against like France and Latvia is that set in stone? I think that's. Well, the thing. I, I don't did, think it, I, you know he'll one hundred percent play the Latvia game yeah. definitely, which is the Wednesday. Um, and I think you know the prospect of selling tickets for that game might have been tricky. Uh, I think you might see Evan Ferguson branding on some of the uh, you know the the sort of uh, promotional material around that game. You know his first start for Ireland. I mean, I, I, I've, I've sometimes been playing a little bit of devil's advocate here, just talking about the France game, saying, well, you know, there's a sort of a, they might, they might want to approach that game in a particular way, you know, with sort of counter-attacking type players and so on, but that's sort of devil's advocate. I think if Evan Ferguson keeps doing what he's doing, it's, it's very hard not to pick him, obviously. You know, it's just, uh, I think, and in fairness to, to Stephen Kenny, although it's sort of, sort of repeating myself, but like, bringing him in for November was, was quite a good thing to do. Albeit, I think it was on the expectation that he would go on loan in January and maybe tear it up rather than doing it with Brighton. So it's obviously gone even even better than, than the Irish staff envisaged at that it, it stage. Was, it was a lovely thing during the week. I was just on a WhatsApp group and one of the lads said, oh, tickets are gone on general sale for the Latvia and France game. And I was like, straight away, like for, for the first time, I think... In years, I was like, I really, really want to get these Ireland tickets for myself and my brother, come up and, and see the game, both games or the France game, whatever it is, and th- you, knowing that they're going to sell out now. And it's like, I just thought it was, there is a buzz, as much as you know, you can debate where we're going and how good we are, there's definitely a buzz around Ireland, one way or the other. Yeah, I think the France game would always. That would sell anyway, yeah, but to yeah. be fair. I think, but I think, the, I think even the, the Latvia game, like. The World, you know, the World Cup final runners up, mm. Mbappe, et cetera, coming to him. But I, I mean, the facts are there in terms of ticket sales for, for Ireland games over the last couple of years have definitely been positive, and that's something that's definitely helped. Very reasonably priced as well. Like in, at the, in the times we're in, it was like. 213 euro for two for both games which is not bad considering like yeah. if you want to go to Ireland and France in the rugby I think it's like 150 quid give or take to, to get a ticket um, so one ticket so yeah we, we give out a lot about football in this country but like I think t- tickets are priced fairly reasonably for people that want to go to the games 53106 highlights of two city players at Arsenal being great signing same with the signing from Brighton that must be Trossard says Sean on that Z- Zinchenko I, th- I think is, is just such a good player yeah. and I think he's he's so like and I love the fact that when he came on last night he got booked in like three minutes in injury time stupid enough tackle but there was real sort of angst in him like he really wanted to, to do something in the game and I, th- I, I honestly I think he's just a terrific signing yeah but he plays midfield for his country mm. so he has the technical skill to obviously um, adapt and he was really good at the United game last week and Evan Ferguson Damon I'm sure you've been watching him with interest oh yeah, absolutely I mean straight in the team for both games um, you know that could be the the uh, knight in shining armour that Stephen Kenny's looking for to, 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 to get him those goals that, that you know I know we've created some chances maybe not taking them Um but I think he could be the guy that could come in and, and play both games. And for me, he has to has to start both games and, and, and be the main man. But around that um, demo, what formation or what system do we play? If well, Ferguson? I like I listen. I uh, you know I've been on record for a long time. I don't know how we've stumbled on this three four three. I don't think it's a, a good a good system for us. Um, it'll be good against France because three four three will 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 essentially end up being kind of five four one because you're going to get pinned in and that's a nice counter attacking shape. And even if Evan Ferguson is the one at the top end of the pitch, as long as you get legs in the wide areas, 
Um, you know, he, he can hold it up, Evan. It, it, he, when, it, when it's played into him, it sticks. He's more than capable of holding off defenders, as we saw with Kanate in the Liverpool mm-hmm. game, and, and, and buying those valuable two, three seconds for the legs to get up and, and contact with him. Um, so that's superb. It's just uh, the issue with the three-four-three is when we have possession because it ends up becoming almost like a, a kind of a, a three at the back with one centre forward, and I don't think we need three to mark one as we saw in the Armenia game. Um, and then obviously the both wing backs go and join in, and also we get caught in this very advanced position where it's very very susceptible to being counter-attacked because we um, when we turn the ball over we get a little bit excited because we're dominating the play and midfield players start pushing on five ten yards further than what they should do. Um, and teams know that and that's what they play for a little bit like what we used to do when we played against top teams you know we'd sit in and draw the opposition onto us and we counter-attack so that's getting done to us at the moment so um, I don't know if Stephen will, will stick with that but listen having someone like Evan Berg's in the top end of the pitch you know it's very very early days in his, in his career he's only played a handful of, of Premier League games and he's done absolutely brilliant but you know the mark of any professional is to, to do it week in, week out, twice a week uh, in some cases, um, set those standards and maintain them. And that's what he needs to learn now moving forward. He's still so young um, that he needs to learn how to be a professional footballer, you know, post-match, recovering, eyes on the game already, the next game coming up, uh, preparation, training, you know, being disciplined mentally because obviously there's going to be a lot of hype around him at the moment, um, especially when he comes back to Ireland. And it's maintaining that focus um, when he comes back to Ireland will be, um, will be key. Is that a challenge, Dan, for Michael Obafemi? Because it seems like he's moved to Burnley, he's going to go through from Swansea, and there's been questions about the stop-start nature of his career so far and maybe the pitfalls of this. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, like, this is the thing. I mean, uh, while everyone, I say every, a lot of people had, had an idea Evan Ferguson was coming down the tracks and there always has been that sense of, um, yeah, he could be very good. Um, you never, you never quite know. Um, so you think back to last summer when Obafemi scored against Scotland and and uh, you know created the other goal, and you're thinking, okay, this is your chance to be the main man now. And I mean, already that statement seems out of date. You know, like it seems unthinkable that, as sort of has been mentioned by the lads, that um, touch wood because um, you know there's going to be no issues with attitude with Evan Ferguson. So it's really just avoiding injuries that Evan Ferguson will be there, and even. Like he is sort of a focal point striker, so even the 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 roles of other players may have to change and adapt. Like you, you want to build your team potentially around the talent like that. And Obafemi probably had a little dynamic with Parrot that he quite enjoyed, that was effective at you know at times. Um, but you know Obafemi now. You know, with Ferguson, it would have to they'd have to develop a partnership. But that's, that's more of a football issue. You're maybe talking about more of a broader, like where is he at in his career issue? Because, um, he, like Obafemi is what he's he's. I see it's Aaron Connolly's birthday today, by the way. He's 23. Obafemi is. I think he's around the same. You know, same sort of bracket. I think he's born in 2000 as well. Um, yet both of them, but like Obafemi in particular, has had his attitude discussed by managers on like four or five different occasions. Now it feels like he had a couple of. Uh, issues at Southampton um, and a couple of times at Swansea people have very openly spoken about him now he has effectively it seems agitated to get this move to Burnley Burnley are a team that are going to be in the Premier League next year it seems barring sort of a Devon Locke style slip up so like that, you know, in theory come August time he's back in the Premier League and he's got a great chance of, of pushing on with his career but the stop start nature of, of momentum and form with him is a concern, like definitely, you know, um, and and uh, like funny we talk about Pep and you know like talking about players in public and and like I don't know Damien what your opinion is, but like 
managers obviously will have issues with players, but it's it's kind of rare they would go to the media and maybe talk about them, you know, and actually say. And, and so I know with Abafemi, the most recent one is about him looking for a move. But even yeah. in over the last couple of years, generally, you've had managers sort of have a little go at his attitude at times. I mean, yeah. would that sort of speak to you that it, they really must be concerned that they're not keeping it in-house or they're thinking this is what you need to do to get a reaction out of him in some way? Well, you, you might do that once, but you would never question your attitude, your professionalism. And that seems to be what's always questioned with him. Um, you know, and, and, and professionalism boils out things like timekeeping, um, you know, uh, showing up wearing the right clothes. You know, if, if you're told to wear a certain color T-shirt on a match day or a suit, you know, making sure that your, your, your tie is on. Little things like that will irritate certain managers, especially the type of manager that he had at, at Southampton and at, um, at Russell Martin at, uh, at Swansea. Their manager will be big on that, you know, because it shows a focus. It shows that you're thinking about it. You're waking up. You're coming you know you know the right clothes you know it's supposed to be where you're supposed to be your food you know everything has to be correct and then obviously your training as well sometimes if you're you know with the gps data and all stuff like that you know if your data is down every every time a manager or coach is on a session they know what type of distance should be put up in that session because everything's timed and monitored and if you know one player is way behind everyone else it means that he's he's been walking he hasn't been taking the session seriously enough and then obviously reports come through that he was out late or his car was seen at you know after midnight coming out of you know a housing estate or or or, 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 or lively part of town river so they're the type of issues managers are going why is he out after midnight we got training in the morning or it's two days before a game so these are all the types of things um that kind of sum up the word professionalism that I'm talking about and that seems to be the bit that, that, that's always questioned with him. Once you know I know he was at Swansea and he wanted to uh, agitate for a move to to Burnley and I got no issue with that you know if he, do, he wants to leave Swansea and he wants to go to Burnley you know you can you know kick up a fuss a little bit um, and try and force your way out uh, a little bit like what Anthony Gordon's done at Everton um, it's not okay but look it happens in life some players want that move but like you said, it's a numerous times. Um, and that's the type of focus that you're talking about. And when he burst on the scene at Southampton, his life would have changed, you know, massively. The trajectory of his life would have changed. And obviously he let that kind of get inside him. And, and, and that's what I'm saying to Evan Ferguson needs to guard against. That's the thing, because he knows being thr- thrust into the limelight where life is very, very nice and all the trappings that go with the, the new success that he's had. Has he still got the discipline to go to bed at, at 9.30 and watch a couple of episodes something on Netflix and be asleep, to get up in the morning, understand the, the type of session that he's doing today, understand the numbers that he's going to be required from today in the training session to fuel himself, to hydrate himself, post-training, make sure you go home. All the players know will have Normatex game readies, all that stuff. Can you go home and, and, and sit in your couch and watch something and, and rest, recover? Because you know tomorrow you've got a big day too and there's a game coming up. All these things are things will factor in and it's full on. It's 24-7. It's difficult. It's, 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 it, it can be kind of monotonous, I suppose. Uh, but these are the things that you need to keep chucking out performances week after week after week, year after year. And, you know, to become a flash in the pan, Talking about Aaron Connolly there, probably something very similar happened to him when he came on, scored those goals against Spurs. All of a sudden, life changed in, in, on a dime, uh, and and he obviously lost that focus. And then all of a sudden, numbers start dropping off in training, and then managers are irate, which then all of a sudden these reports are coming back, and managers trying to lay down the law to the player, but then the player doesn't react in the right way. He goes the other way and says the manager's victimising me, the manager's at me. What's the matter with him? God Almighty, it was only a few times, and then all of a sudden it just gets all out of out of sync. Um, so that's what Evan 
has to, to, to guard against and, and keeping that focus is very, very difficult. Um, you know, I spoke last week when we were on the TV about, you know, sports psychologists will always sit down and talk to players about handling disappointment. Life is full of disappointment. You know, you're going to lose. You're going to get released. All these things are going to go against you. Very, very few people sit down and talk about success, um, handling success. And a lot of people will say, oh, what are you on about? It should be easy to handle success. Handling success is, is, is as equally difficult as handling failure. It's just a completely different thing. Um, but the, the similarities are the same, you know, staying focused when, when things are going against you is very hard, but staying focused when things are going your way is equally as hard. It's just a different kind of set of problems. Um, and, 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 and all three of those players, Obafemi, um, Connolly and, and Evan Ferguson, have had a huge amount of success in a very, very short space of time and, and, and thrown into, uh, into the limelight. Um, and, you know, the other two, obviously... I won't say it didn't handle that well because I don't know the ins and outs of, 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 of those guys' careers, but from the outside looking in, that's that's what it seems has happened and that's the thing that Evan has to guard against now. Um, and I hope he does because he'll have an incredible career and um, and when he's old and, and washed up, he can relax and look back and say that he you know he played professional football for, for 20 years or whatever it might be and he had a great time doing it. There's five minutes of... Uh... You know how to live your life from Damien Delaney, and hopefully Vincent Company, if if he does go to Bernie, will will be will help him. I uh, think that's that's an interesting aspect of it as well, yeah, the company aspect, and the fact uh, that you know Josh Cullen obviously yeah, be exactly. there as well. Yeah, like. but I just I, like I think with Connolly, I think and even what we obviously get, you know, Aaron Connolly scored brilliant, but I almost think with Aaron Connolly, it's like that's almost the the danger zone. <laughs> yeah, now. you yeah, know, like yeah. he has that high, and it's it's you just kind of hope. Hopefully, you'll learn. Hope that everyone you know around them is sort of like rather than you know. I don't know a million texts of everyone going brilliant. You're back, and like it's 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 that sort of roller coaster he's been on. Like yeah. he, he gives these interviews. Connolly gives a very good interview, and yet it doesn't really appear to have translated to what's been happening otherwise. So um, yeah, you you want it to happen in next week as well, and the week after before getting too carried away. Just on that, Damien, the temptation thing you're kind of talking about there, and the way your life changes uh, was that something that was difficult for you to deal with when you were a young lad, or were you just so focused to the fact that you'd made it to keep mm-hmm. going? Yeah, I suppose like, like I, you know, anyone can be, um, not to anyone, but you know, it's always, oh, how do I put this in without coming? Um, I, everyone always said, like, when I first went to the UK, all the players said to me, the easiest thing in the world is to, 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 to play one game in, in the Premier League. Um, the hardest thing is to stay there. And I always kind of thought, that's crazy because you spend your whole life trying to get to the Premier League and you think, no, the hardest thing in the world is getting there. But they're right, you know what I mean? Playing one game, you can go over, train with the youth team, the under-21s, getting the first team, a couple of injuries go your way, all of a sudden the manager throws you in because he's got nothing to lose and you've played a game. But, you know, to have a career in professional football in the UK, in any division, from Premier League right down to League Two, I promise you, if you've played, you know, 10 years or whatever it might be, or played two, three, four, five, six hundred games, you've learned how to be a professional. You've learned to have that discipline in your life, to understand that there's a time you can go out, there's a time you can stay out all night in the off-season, or you know, there's a time you can go on holidays and eat what you want to do. There's a time for everything. But 11 months of the year, you are disciplined, you're diligent, you're focused, you're constantly thinking about the next game. Um, you know, That's the bit that's, that's very, very difficult, and a lot of players really struggle with that. So the likes of... I don't want to keep names checking them, but certain players will 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 come in, they'll play a game, and then they struggle with the bit that comes after it. And that adrenaline rush when Evan Ferguson bursts on the scene, and trust me, you now he is running on adrenaline. His life is just like feel good factor is brilliant. Every day is Christmas for him for the last six weeks because that's that's how he's feeling. But when that adrenaline subsides, and it will subside, you know, 
have you got the discipline, the focus to come in every day and train to the same standards? And the easiest thing to do in the world is when things start going against you, you, you know, you get up 20 minutes later, you know, you arrive at the training ground 20 minutes later. Right now he's waking up early, he's first one in the building, he's in the gym, he's doing all the bits and pieces, in the cryotherapy after, he's doing all of it. But I suppose then when things start going against you, you get dropped. Uh, have you still got that mental capacity to, to, to set your alarm at the same time, 7 a.m., make sure you're in the building for 8, make sure you're doing everything quite correctly? That's the kind of the, 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 the challenge. Um, and it's not easy, you know. That's why the, the attrition rate is so high. It's very, very difficult. There's a picture painted by media or, or social media or whatever it might be of professional footballers like being a certain way. It's not. I can promise you, it's absolutely not. And anyone who's played the game and been a professional understands what I'm talking about. They understand um, the requirements. Um, you might see a couple of pictures from players up on social media. That's like a, a snapshot, a glimpse of a moment in their life. And people think that that's their life um, you know, uh, full time. It's not, you know, it's very, very monotonous and very, very boring. Yeah, Damien, uh, you, if you're not doing it already, you should be doing some life coaching as well as uh, a football punditry. Yeah. Absolutely. We've got to take a break on Off the Ball Saturday. Damien Delaney, Dan McDonald, and Johnny Ward are back after this. And you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you 3 to 5. This is Football Saturday. Remember, football and off the ball brought to you by Sky. Get all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sports, and Premier Sports. You can text us 53106. We're streaming the conversation. You can listen on the country. Uh, across the radio and news talk and uh, also you can watch us on the digital and social channels for Twitter, YouTube, Facebook and on the OTB Sports app. We're joined on the line by the former Republic of Ireland and Crystal Palace defender Damien Delaney and in the studio by the football correspondent of the Irish Independent Dan McDonnell and the broadcaster and journalist Johnny Ward. Uh, just to let you know uh, scores from the FA Cup uh, we have Blackburn 1, Birmingham 1 Bristol City 2, West Brom 0 Fulham 0, Sunderland 1, Ipswich 0 Burnley 0, Luton 0, Grimsby 0 Sheffield Wednesday 0, Fleetwood 0 Southampton 1, Blackpool 0 in the Championship it is Coventry 0, Huddersfield 0 Hull 1, QPR 0 Middlesbrough 1, Watford 0 and in Scotland Rangers are 1-0 up against St Johnston, Hibernian 2, Aberdeen 0, Ross County 1, Kilmarnock 0 and St Mirren 1, Motherwell 0. Damien De- Lenny, um, in terms of Everton, is it the impossible job? Whoever gets it? No, afraid we seem to have... Uh, that that uh, might answer that question. <laughs> it's not the impossible not job, sure the impossible like the, job no. In fairness to Lampard as well, he's left them in a tricky position, not an awful position. They've won their 15 points, so they're, they're within... And there are a load of teams, real load of teams down there kind of um, battling, so um, it's more so the fact that... You know they were left with. It's kind of a mad situation to to be uh, whittled to a, a battle between Sean Dyche and Bielsa. So it's like, well, where is the forward planning here? Like, what you know, where was the forward planning with Lampard, who himself is a questionable appointment? Um, where was the where was the planning with Benitez? They're, they're trying to move to a new stadium, and um, I don't know. It's just it just it it does seem a bit of a basket case of a club. Possible job just makes you think of Graham Taylor, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. That, and that's oh, uh, the documentary, documentary Channel Four. What a documentary! Uh, it's still, it's, it's available to you can find it on YouTube. YouTube, yeah. yeah, yeah. Now it's uh, it's funny as well. In, in those days, just listening to Damien, they're like footballers could go out, they could have their few points, they lived a relatively normal life, even in the days of Taylor, even in the days of Cloughy, even in the days of Alex Ferguson to an extent. That's all gone now. Like, and what Damien was on about there, like eleven months of the year, like you're basically it's like being in the army almost. Like, and as much as oh, everyone would love to be a professional footballer, a lot of it isn't actually that much fun, and you know. You can't live a normal life. Um, they certainly, in, in the days of, you're uh, very well remunerated. You are. You are. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not like ble- bleeding uh, tears for them here. But um, that's the standard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but that's you have to, and it's relentless as well. And like, if you're like Obafemi, who seems to, 
I don't know, he's, he's a bit of a bit of a lad, like a bit of a character. We just don't know the ins and outs as well. I think he, we need to point that out about seemed, the family. Uh, yeah, like I know he's, he's been questioned by his manager about his attitude, but... He, I'd say he's a good lad, but maybe he's not necessarily cut out for the rigours of being a freshman footballer like some people are. And in fairness to Evan Ferguson, in its early days, he does seem to be, he just seems to be like like that army uh, drill. He just wants to play, he wants to train, he wants to score goals. Yeah, look, I suppose, that, I mean, Evan Ferguson, the fact his dad was a footballer as well, possibly helps you know in the sense that you actually have someone in your life who okay didn't scale those heights but went to the you know was a very promising player went to England had a bit of bad luck you know came home you know had a go here still works in football with the FAI you know he's been around the game for a long time and that probably I mean it doesn't exactly always work you know perfectly but it probably it probably helps but I mean that's the thing I know sort of asked Damien about his experience but I think even now it's even more um so you're you're more like everything you do is magnified even more and also as well like footballers in the time used to be quite disciplined by staying at home that would be their, now you can stay at home and through like social media you can get all sorts of like you know offers and attention and you know thousands upon thousands of messages and and comments and and stuff so even if you're being at home disciplined sort of watching uh watching TV or watching Netflix or whatever, you know, there's still sort of temptations and all sorts that would be sort of coming your way, you know, and that's the, it's really hard. I mean, I remember speaking to someone who, um, I think it was, I think it was maybe Jack Byrne in here um, or another occasion. I think he would have been pally enough with Grealish. Um, ironically enough, I think through their time with the Irish underage set up and they got on quite well. But Probably enough with Foden as well, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, they would have been in City, but like Grealish obviously wasn't at the time. He was being at Villa. But what it's, you know spoke about how Grealish would be doing a lot of extra stuff. And Grealish has a reputation for being a... Because when Grealish has his month off or whatever, he goes for it, you know, and he definitely does. But you, you don't get to where he is by by not actually putting in yeah, a lot of If you look at Calvin Phillips days. especially, you know, Guardiola questioned him. So he would Grealish wouldn't be in that position if if Guardiola wasn't comfortable. Oh no, like he, yeah, I think he, he, he just it's just that naturally enough when he, he does sort of you know sort of uh, allow himself to unwind a bit, he tends to fall asleep on the street or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, like so, yeah. he's he's had his moments to be fair, yeah. or or give a sort of a croaky interview, uh, abusing Almiron, like you know, which doesn't help. But yeah. it doesn't mean that on a Thursday afternoon he's going absolutely crazy. You want, you want, you want a bit of individuality as well. I mean, it's all about data now, JD, and figures, and everything you do is is is, is you, chalked. You down. want a Paisley shirt once in a while. Do you love that Paisley? We've had, sorry, we, we, I was somebody slagged. was on YouTube saying that. Um, I think it was a Peter was saying. Uh, can you ask Johnny how much you sat on the ninety nine Passat for? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no comment. <laughs> I'll be on to later, Peter. <laughs> um, we were we were slagged last week about like how you know Johnny we were on the cliches and all that. You actually look like one of the characters that would rock up to these players' door and say, "I can take you. I, I can bring I you anywhere. Yeah, let's yeah. go for a pint." Well, but um, yeah, well, that was I was slagged last week about we we're on about football cliches, obviously, and then I just went on a on a like a shameless horse racing related cliche. I think we've had three horse racing analogies already today. One from Dan and two on and on the bridle and off the bridle. And a Devon Lock, so we're I'm yeah, and one from Damien there. as well. Yeah, um, Damien, just on a, on Everton, um, Frank Lampard sacked. Maybe Sean Dyche coming in. If it is Dyche, can he turn it around? Yeah, absolutely. Um, he, he can um, circle the wagons there, absolutely, um, and make life um, make life difficult for opponents. You know, Everton seem to have some some firepower. They seem to be able to score goals to create chances. They have got some some decent attacking players. Um, 
But I think everyone just, you know, shipping goals as well, that needs to stop first and foremost and stop putting themselves under so much pressure. Um, obviously, he's got the likes of Tarkovsky and me, who he's worked with, uh, not me, um, uh, Michael Keane, sorry, who, we, um, who he's worked with before. Um, so he's going to go in there and, um, and, and obviously lean on those two guys heavily. Um, on, on, on what the situation is, what they what they, they, they think has been happening around the place, um, and he can put a stop to it all very very quickly and get him get him solidified. And in fairness to the Everton fans, once you kind of show effort and heart and run around and be difficult to beat, um, the Everton fans will will, will love you um, and they will uh, get behind the team. Goodison Park will be full there most weeks, um, and it's not too late. Um, absolutely, he can um, he can turn that round. Yeah. And they score enough goals. I mean, Cabral Luna obviously is not having the best of seasons. He's had a lot of injuries. Um, Gordon's leaving. Mopé is there. Will they? Will they get enough goals? Yeah, we see. We see like the shipping goals at the moment makes it very, very hard. You know, if you can keep games at nil nil um, and and stay in games, you know, all of a sudden you start nicking one one goal or maybe two and you win one nil or two one and all of a sudden now you know confidence gets up again and I think they have got some good players there. They have definitely got some good attacking players that are capable, more than capable of scoring. I'm not saying they're going to score enough goals to win the Premier League, but score enough goals to to stay out of it. But the first thing you need to do is stop putting yourself under so much pressure by conceding so many goals um and and, and going behind so often. Um, which I, th- I think they do. So um, if you can stop that, all of a sudden, no confidence will be built b- brick by brick and little bit by little bit. And um, he will certainly weed out the, the weaker ones there. You know, the players that are you know not on board or not um, fully committed to Everton and always seem to be moaning or whinging and you know feeling sorry for themselves. He'll figure out who those characters are quick enough, whip them out. Um, and then set a standard there, and, and hopefully, um, and hopefully they do, because it would be a shame to see Everton never to Everton never to um, leave the Premier League. You know, I think they're founding member of the what's the statistic, Dan? They've never been outside the top flight or something like no, that. No, the 1951 was the last time. Yeah, they there were, you go. So, um, you know, so I think, few, I, yeah. I think I think they'll I think they'll be okay with with Dyche in charge. I was a bit worried when they were going for Bielsa. I think they've dodged a bullet there. Uh, not dodged a bullet, you know, but I don't think Bielsa is what you need when you're in the position that Everton are in. Um, you know, he'll come in there and, 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 and obviously make the players work a certain way. And I think even Bielsa admitted that that he hadn't got the type of players in that Everton squad that could suit his way of playing. I think Dyche is exactly what they need. Um, long term can be dealt with in the long term, whether Sean Dyche is the man to be there and get Everton, you know, up to the upper echelons of the Premier League or get them playing the type of football Everton think they should be playing remains to be seen. But right now, it's a kind of a firefighting mode that Everton need to go into because they go down. A championship is full of of, of of big ex-Premier League teams and it's not the easiest league to get out of, um, especially if there's financial issues. Um, yeah. I wouldn't imagine that Everton would have had a huge amount of um, relegation clauses in contracts because it's not something that would have been on the, the, the mind of anybody signing for Everton. So, um, you know, that could be you know, a difficult one to untangle. So, um, you know, I think they'll be fine with Dice. That's my, my, my gut instinct. Damien Delaney, Dan McDonald, and Johnny Ward all on Football Saturday here on News Talk and Off the Ball between four and five. Don't go away. We're back after the news. And you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through until five this evening. This is Football Saturday. Remember, Football Off the Ball brought to you by Sky. The Premier League is back. Watch every live game for the rest of the season on Sky Sports, BT Sports, and Premier Sports. You can text us 53106, tweet us out off the ball. We're streaming the conversation. Listen across the country on News Talk. Also, watch us if you'd like on the digital and social channels for YouTube, Facebook, the OTV Sports app, and on Twitter. We're joined on the line by the former Republic of Ireland and Crystal Palace defender Damien Delaney, and in the studio by the football correspondent of the Irish Independent, Dan McDonnell, and the broadcaster and journalist. 
journalist Johnny Ward from Texan here on 53106. And as the last few weeks, you keep mentioning mental and physical fatigue and how exhausted the Liverpool and now perhaps the City squad are. I believe it's just teams not performing and fatigue is not the real issue. Some of the best rugby players in this country went off on the off-season to win a series in New Zealand. We're not saying that the Irish rugby uh, players are fatigued. Instead, we're, they're all doing well the provinces in both the Euro United Rugby Championship and the Champions Cup. Fatigue is not the issue, says Tony and Kilkenny. They, they have a much more managed campaign, a lot of those players, let's be honest. You know, they don't have to play how many games a season. I know it's much more physical sport, but I, say that not I don't think the, sport. Like it's a way more, obviously, physical in terms of the hits, but I'm not sure in terms of the... Know, distance covered and ground and they're not playing 60 games a season as we know when it comes to the URC it's not a la carte at times in terms of which players will play I don't think that comparison stands at all Dan Dan isn't apt to um, ever talk favourably about not the true. ball game that's actually not true at all in that context in that context I don't do you not think, like rugby now no he doesn't uh, I wouldn't be partial to it but, um, <laughs> I, 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 that's not but that's not my angle on it here. I think I think I think um, why don't you like I it I think there's a sense of um, oh god do you want to go into that <laughs> it's four o'clock uh, let's not get in that uh, discussion route but I I, I I see the point but I, I think that um I mean, the schedule that some of the, the clubs have to play. I mean, how many games did Liverpool play last year? Like, it was sort of a lot of a lot of games. I think it could have been 60. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's... A lot that's, of games. And then you've, then but they went to the end in every single game, Liverpool, in the season. Yeah, yeah. and then you've added in, like, games, friendly games, and adding playing for your country. So you're talking about, like, 78 well, games for the likes of, say, Robertson or something like that. There is a crisis coming with the way FIFA are acting around, it, the, around the game. It's just insane. The crisis is not already here. Less, less is more as well. Like there, I, I mean, I, I come on here talking about football on a Saturday, but I think there is too much football at the moment. Like it's just never ending. Don't say that. You'll yeah, kill our yeah, but like the, obviously, yeah. and, but I would say the rugby thing. Like the, obviously, the physical aspect of rugby is is sort of accounted for in terms of the distance they will have between the games. Like the World Cup goes on for a couple of couple of years. It feels like <laughs> you know that like the group stage is like you know we've got eight for days, Dan, yeah. eight days before they an eight day rest before they play you know, a part-time team from Namibia or something. They take another <laughs> week off, you know? So it goes on forever. Where obviously, you know, they don't have sort of three-game-a-week thing that sort of, that you will have. Love if we had, like, of one season. of those, you know, one of those iconic kind of just couple of drinks we have on a Saturday after work and some lad just rugby tackles Dan <laughs> into the wall. Take that. See what you think of that. Well, it, it, will it mean they were listening, which is be good? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly the fellow from the dry the cleaners, cleaners. Yeah. Well, it's By the uh, way, it's two grand for the Passat. I just looked it up there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If anybody's uh, watching, Johnny's wearing a um, Paisley shirt. It's, and it's a, Alfie and a, Moon. And a, blue, and a blue blazer. And <laughs> we we're all our, saying that he looks like a used car salesman. When we did our live show, there was a fella uh, who was like, he'd had a few on him, and he goes, ah, Alfie Moon! <laughs> I just like, uh, I had to think, what, what's he on about here? But there is a you obviously don't watch Eastenders. I know I, I did, but I was it was it was late in the show and I was a bit fatigued. But the, ever since then, the shirt is always known as Alfie Moon. Alfie Moon. <laughs> Alfie Moon. Damien so, Delaney, yeah. do you ever play rugby when you're young? Ooh. No, Jesus, no, never. Um, so I, you would have been uh, all right, Demo. No, I don't know, man. I, I no, I, I still don't um, know the full rules of rugby. To be honest, I try I try my best to watch it, um, but um, I, f- I find it hard to understand. You know when. 20 fellas all pile into a rock and the referee blows the whistle, puts his hand in the air and everyone nods in agreement. And I'm thinking, did anyone know actually what happened at the bottom of that? Like, or, you know, um, I know, but, you know, and then the, the, the commentators explain it. And I'm like, really? Did that actually, how, who knows did that actually happen? Did so, I bring this up with you, actually? When I was at Other Voices, outside of uh, Nelligan's, probably uh, listening to the great Seamus Begley, who passed away um, a few weeks ago, uh, what a pub like. But I was outside Other Voices 
And this geezer comes up to me, and I'm pretty sure it went along the lines of, I actually played minor midfield uh, in Crow Park for Cork with Damien Delaney, and he was unbelievable as a Gaelic footballer. Would that be true, Damo? Uh, but the, the, the bit about playing, yeah, unbelievable. Not, no, not really. So um, partially true that statement, yeah, I did. But um, What did you score against? Was it Mayo? Yeah, we lost uh, to Mayo. Um, but you in, scored... I scored two, two, two something. I think it was definitely two goals, two from midfield. Yeah, that was the last game um, Gaelic football I ever played. Um, the last Gaelic football was that in the final, Damien? No, the semi final. I think it was. Mm. Yeah, semi final it was. We we beat Kerry in the Munster final in um, Parky Keeve, a rain soaked Parky Keeve, and then went up and played um, played Mayo and lost. Um, and a footnote of that is I, the man I marked that day was a rugby player, Gavin Duffy. Was it Gavin Duffy, I think. Gavin it was. Duffy, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, and the Baconic team. Yeah, yeah so, yeah, that was something that pointed out to me there um, not long ago, actually, that he went on and had a pretty good rugby career by all accounts. You probably ended his Gaelic football career at that performance. <laughs> I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Obviously, it could have been a good gap there. You know, it's like, what, is it sliding doors today? Is it what we all could have been? Yeah. Chinozzi Ogbeni was a very good Gaelic footballer mm. as well when he was uh, when he was younger and right. yeah he, uh, oh, I still think, I do think Nemo I think like, was that I think I think it was Nemo yeah, yeah he was, I, d- um, I do think it's a thing that like there are a lot of a lot a lot of one of the reasons Ireland aren't as good as we could be there are a lot of alternatives for these kids like and Dan will say oh it doesn't mean and he's fair enough like that doesn't mean you're going to be good but if you take on if 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 everyone in this country played football and, and by football I mean like association football soccer or whatever if everyone in the country played that from a young age would be really good there are a lot of alternatives though yeah i i mean it's there there are but like other countries have those issues that's the well. same extent i think i think, anyway. I think the, the part of the discussion here just goes it goes down a sort of tangent along the lines of well like all, all of our intercounty stars like they all could have cracked it if they'd put their mind well no but it's, yeah. I, I'm not but I mean I, I saw it was interesting I saw a chat this week because Kerry have introduced the team to the League of Ireland yes indeed and uh, I saw there's a, there's a Kerry football podcast there's a guy Adam Moynihan a journalist down there who does it and um, he had a couple of Kerry players on yesterday talking about is, is this a threat you know and Again, like that almost becomes the language of competition that comes into it very early in the days. It's like, um, uh, oh no, this could be a bad thing rather than it being a... And that wasn't necessarily the tone of it, right? That's a bad thing. I think it was Sean O'Sullivan, was it, an ex-player, sort of saying we need to up our game. It's like, I think Kerry will be okay in terms of like, you know, I think I think the allure of GA will remain in Kerry. And the fact that there's a, also now a League of Ireland side in the county, I think it's great. You know, I think that that, that should be the thing. And it's a real shame you mentioned Mayo. Like they're not going to have a team in the League of Ireland under 14 this week. I was writing about that this year. They were on about spreading the game. Like, how often do we talk in here about spreading um, football to parts of the country that don't really have a, a team in the locality or talk about the League of Ireland how, why can't it grow as well naturally because there's loads of people listening from counties that don't even have a team and we see it's going into Kerry now and it's great um, I think Dennis no, there's no, it's no coincidence that you know we had a team in Thurles we had a team in Kilkenny we had a team in Monaghan that are all gone because these are areas where in the situation with Monaghan and uh, it's, it's Gaelic football Kilkenny and Thurles massive massive hurling yeah. strongholds and it's hard it's like it's, it's, it's a, not an easy challenge for Kerry at all like, no. at all and you have to be able to coexist like, yeah absolutely, and absolutely. It's, it's, um, I mean this has gone off on a complete tangent in terms of uh, you know sharing facilities and knowledge and, and 
you know, there's always a there's always an adversarial um, nature to some of the relations between sports. It's it's pitched as one sport is a is a rival to another, and it's a threat when it shouldn't really be that way. Yeah, we were just on. Sorry, not not to labour the point. We were we were on the show uh, yes last night, uh, and we're talking about was Grania Walsh who just. She ended up, um, she was like a very good, she thinks she played for Shamrock Rovers and she just like went sparring in the boxing gym just like to kind of keep fit and then she becomes like an unbelievably good boxer. So I think the, 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 the example one should set to kids is allow them to play as many sports as they want and give them the kind of freedom to see what they like and what they want to become. Like, and in Damien's case, it obviously, why did you choose soccer actually, Damien? Was it because at that stage you would have been sort of on the cusp of, I guess, Cork City, was it? Yeah, well, I was never. I, I didn't have a, a huge GA um, kind of upbringing. I played a little bit, like, and then I went to a GA school, Class uh, Three Three in Cork, and that's a, a big GA school. Um, but in terms of like, I was never a kind of a, a devout GA man, you know, and a, a staunch, you know, believer. Um, soccer was always my I thing. I love that you sound like it's like a Catholic thing, you know, devout, like staunch, you know, and like mass is, every. Well, it is, though, you're right, like. Yeah, but some of them are, some of the <laughs> and 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 I was it's the, the GA was always something that I just kind of dipped into when soccer wasn't on, um, and that was that summer basically we finished and I only joined the panel, I'd say the week before the Munster semi final, um, because the soccer season had, had finished, um, and uh, it was kind of just something to do for the summer really more than anything else, um, and ended up in a brilliant summer, one of the best summers of my life, being involved in that, um, with training and, and being involved in that for the course of it, but, um, yeah, it was good, but. I'll tell you lads, I can't stop thinking of Tony and Kilkenny there and his, his messaging in, like, about the fatigue thing, like, you know, probably sitting on his living room couch with a box of Jaffa cakes and a, and a cup of tea, and he's, like, saying, like, what a mad, like, thing to, 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 to type in, that it, it's not fatigue, like, I mean, players are just absolutely out in their feet, and I agree with, with Johnny, just to kind of get it back on, on, on topic, like, it's, it's, the amount of minutes and distance the players are covering now, that like the shelf life, and that's why the age is getting younger and younger and younger. Look at all the top players now, they're all 21, 22, 23, because you have to be. You know, as soon as, before you say, when you, as soon as you turn 30, it's downhill. I think as soon as you get to 27, 28, to keep up the pace, to play for your country, to play for your your your, your, your club, especially if you're involved in one of the big teams, you're playing European football, um, and you look at their schedules, you know, look at the World Cup this year, you know, the, the Premier League started early, it's going to finish late. Um, this is really wrong though, Dame, isn't it? Like this is actually sad because you're going to ruin a player, uh, and he'll be a has been, even though it should never have happened. Like, yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. It's interesting to see where it's going, and then you look at like the the plans that FIFA and UEFA are rolling out, um, which I, I, I briefly saw there recently, expanding tournaments, uh, creating a club World Cup. There, did I see that recently coming that's up somewhere? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, so no, it's it's going to be 12 months of football. Um, and it's almost a case of we don't care. The conveyor belt is there. We have the the raw materials. Every kid in the world wants to play soccer, and we're just going to keep churning out players. Um, and, and that's it. And and you know, it's not a case of like you know, if we exhaust our resources, you know, the game might die. You will never exhaust the resources because the TV money is going to keep rolling in. And you look at like the money that's going to come in for this Club World Cup now, selling rights for that, um, expanded tournaments where we have to sit through group games in the Euros and the World Cup of teams that really shouldn't be there, um, games that nobody has a huge pile of, of interest in, except for the teams of the countries that they're in and all they want to do is sell rights in it. So, I mean, it's, it's getting more and more and it's very, 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 very difficult. Um, and I just you know, don't understand why someone can just dismiss it and say it's not fatigue. You well, know? that's his view, you know. 
Jaffa yeah, cakes should be very yeah, healthy. I, I mean, unless you've uh, healthy uh, biscuit as well. To be fair, the Jaffa cakes. Jaffa cakes are good. There's only one gram of fat in every. Yeah, the, the choice of the sort of the professional. Yeah, the problem opinion. is then we yeah. eat twenty of them. Yeah, you haven't really sort of. Yeah, the feeling good about going to Supermax and having the Diet Coke. Do you remember was was there a phase we saw footballers eating a couple of Jaffa cakes? I'm feeling quite guilty here now. Actually, I thought you'd been walking for. I've been walking, but. No, but in the past, uh, I would have overdone on the Jaffa. You just well, haven't been walking to the shop to buy Jaffa cakes. That's not your hundred days of walking. Just the three boxes. Hundred trips as, to the as shop. As long as you walk a half an hour, you can do what you want. Well, that, that's uh, the, you're, you're, you're one of your five a day Jaffa cakes. That's, that's, that's it. That's it. An orange, orange in it. Yeah. Then you ended up buying a Passat on the way home. Right? Yeah. Were you going to say something there? Um, I don't. Think you, so you've forgotten. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> no, nothing more. To Johnny's do. fatigued. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I'm fatigued. TV in the morning, radio yeah. in the afternoon. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Munster 40 Bennett on 30 result great to see Joey Carberry in the how did he get on today scored a try the last try at the 6th try oh. of the game for Munster he got 6 tries to 4 he's left out of the squad Johnny I noticed yeah. Uh, I, yeah I did find that quite mad actually. Uh, Derry 11 points uh, Limerick 4 uh, in the Football League Division 2 in Football League Division 3 for Manor beating Longford 15-9 uh, Promise I'm a share scored for Fleetwood against Sheffield Wednesday in the FA Cup Very he's good. going quite well actually the, yeah. the latest score in that one is uh, Fleetwood 1 Sheffield Wednesday 0 Oh, but Femi's move has basically been confirmed right. as well JD yeah, so that is going to happen to Burnley so hopefully that works out we should probably mention poor Jim Goodwin we talk about um, I don't know football and the the, the roller coaster of life as a player I suppose as a manager it's the, the next level it's the next level up from that because um, it can end very quickly and like Jim Goodwin was having a sort of a terrific ascent I mean for people who I mean he's been on the show before I think but uh, would have been part of Brian Kerr's underage teams and would have forged a, in the end a decent enough career in Scotland um, and has climbed the managerial ranks from St Mirren where he would have signed Jamie McGrath a lot of other Irish players Conor McCarthy amongst others got his big job with Aberdeen it was going okay and then they lose 5-0 last weekend they lose 1-0 to Darvel during the week who are Darvel who are like a six-tier Scottish club one of the worst results they say in, in football history and Aberdeen don't sack him they say no no we're going to keep you know faith with our manager to the weekend and you go to play Hibs on Saturday and you're 3-0 down at half time and it's like that is when you're not getting a response from your players and that's like uh, that's that's sort of pretty grim unfortunately but when you're under the cosh and this is the game for your future potentially and you're three down at the break going to need a lot of faith from your employers to survive that one unfortunately this live game um, I haven't seen much of Sunderland in quite some time but they've been terrific here JD uh, thoroughly worthy of uh, a one nil win, a one nil lead. Rather, Curve Cottage coming up the hour mark. Nearly went two nil up, and uh, um, on that aforementioned show this morning, uh, you know, we're talking about the the magic of the cup. I thought there was as much as Arsenal weren't, you know, necessarily totally invested. I thought there was a lot of magic to that game last night. The sense it was a great atmosphere, and there was a real sort of tension in the. Yeah. I thought, and I think the. I think the FA Cup has had something of a renaissance. I think um, I'd love to go to the final if Spurs got there. I'd be there yeah, straight away. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think as well for, um, you know, if if managers can give it, and I know Dame's on with schedule, but I think I think fans still still love the idea of like getting to Wembley and just having that you know that day out and the great stadium, um, great stadium, and the nostalgia of it. And uh, I it does it does kind of great with me where teams. 
um, who essentially are kind of in limbo in the league and aren't, aren't going to get relegated um, where they start like resting loads of players in the cup like should give it your full attention because I think you, you, the fans uh, are owed that there's, there's still a lot of magic to it I think I think the biggest threat to the FA Cup is the constant debate that never stops about mm. does the magic you of hate the it I, the magic of the every year the, is the magic of the FA Cup still there well it's not going to be there if every year the debate is how does this compare to the magic of the old FA Cup yeah, just true. like just get on with it, you know, and like let the games take their course. There are there are games that will matter a lot to people who are at them today, and I just think that's a little bit of a not living in England view. I loved watching the Arkenton game where the Leeds fans, like it looked like they were in a, an uncovered away section standing up. It was like a League of Ireland game, and it was like I say the Leeds fans were now used to the pampered existence of being uh, in the Premier League. I say this was so cool to go to like a real old school ground. Accrington Stanley obviously in League One, which must be the highest they've I'd say nearly ever been. And it was real old school feel to it. It was great. Leeds have had a lot of practice to be fair. They have, in their yeah. recent history. Yeah. So yeah. it's not exactly been uh, immune to that. Five three one six there's a side, John, there's just not a lot of money in the FA Cup. Mm, um, yeah. So that's that's the reason. I mean if you are saying teams are, are going along there in, in limbo in the Premier League and when I was there five years ago, I know that it was a million pound a place bonus for the for the team. So obviously, if you finish sixteenth, um, seventeenth, there's obviously a flat payment, and then every place is a, is a million pound more. So owners are obviously encouraging managers that you know if we get an FA Cup run and we drop three or four places in the league, even though we're still going to finish fourteenth to fifteenth, it's not the end of the world. Um, you know, versus the money we get for for getting to a cup semi final or final, um, it doesn't add up. So I think that's why mm. that scenario that that uh, Dan's talking about there takes place. Um, I know you were on the losing side, but you know, I, and I'm not sure if there's a sentiment still is a is a thing. But uh, was it one of the best days of your career being at that final? For um, yeah, of course it is. I mean, you know, I grew up in an era where the FA Cup was huge. You know, um, watching it in the '90s. You know, I remember Everton winning it with a, a ride out scoring and, uh, you know, Everton beating Man United. And I remember Cantona scoring in that 1-0 win against Liverpool in 96 it was. These are all big, big, big moments for me as a kid that I, I watched and I thought it was incredible. Um, you know, obviously um, the Paul Gascoigne one as well where he he, he done his his, um, his knee. You know, so there's, there's loads of memories like that for me because it was such a big thing. And European football wasn't maybe as, as strong as what it is now. Um, so that was great for me. So for me to play in an FA Cup final was was was, was incredible, and um, it's something that I will will remember for for the rest of my days. Did they give um, runners up medals as well, or? Uh, yeah, they did. Yeah, you get a runners up medal. Uh, I think my mother has it. Uh, if I'm if I'm if I'm being correct, I'm not sure. I I, I think she has it. She will have it absolutely. Yeah, uh, but I've not seen it, or um, or um, I've no really interest in seeing it. Not because I don't respect. Uh, I know a lot of players, you know, don't don't don't, you know, they know they take off their medals and stuff as soon as they they get a loser's medal mm. and stuff. You know, maybe later in life it's something that I will look back on, but I I don't think I've seen it since since the day I was given it. Um, but you know, that's just 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 the way it is. Was there just utter devastation in the dressing room afterwards? Um, silence was. There? Yeah, I I didn't get to go to the dress. I had to go drug testing. Right. So I, I missed. Yeah, I missed all of that. So I remember. Um, as soon as I got off the pitch, got pulled, and I was sitting with um, who was I sitting with? I was sitting myself and uh, one Mata. Um, we're just sitting in a little cubicle with two people from UK Andy Doping, just um, just two of us there. <laughs> and obviously, you can't go back in the changing room um, until you, you you fill out all your paperwork and stuff. But he was great, one Mata. You know, he was, um, I was chatting away to him. He was he was he was really good, and you know, obviously. Um, 
commiserations and all that, but he was he was absolutely fine. But I kind of felt bad for him that he can't be in the changing room celebrating. But at the same point, I wanted to be in the changing room with my teammates, having lost a game. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's important to be in there um, and to feel that emotion. But I never got to feel any of that. So I, by the time I got back in the changing room, most of the lads were getting back on the bus, and I, I pretty much missed everything. Just actually, that's something that we we never really discussed in the show. Do you think what what is the extent of drug testing in football? Because it's never really talked about. Like there are other sports where it's kind of um, much more yeah, in the spotlight, I suppose. Yeah, it's big. I mean, you get drug tested quite a lot. Absolutely. Mm. Um, you know, they show up the training ground. Um, you know, you have to give your whereabouts every day for one hour. So you have to um, inform. So basically what the club do is every day that, that, that you're supposed to be in working, training, or whatever it might be, um, the club will maybe say something like, uh, you know, between the hours of 6 and 7 a.m. on a Tuesday morning, you will be at your home address and then you have to be there. You know, if you're if, if, if they show up at your house between 6 and 7 a.m. and you're not there, I think that counts as a missed test. And if uh, if you get, I think, three missed tests, I think it is, it's a, it's a failure. I remember I got uh, a missed test once where I was injured and... Um, I'd come in the next day, it was, it was a, uh, I don't I can't remember the details, but they gave my whereabouts as a training ground between like 9am and 10am, but I'd gone for a scan and rather unluckily the drug tested to showed up and I wasn't there, so I got one strike. Um, so then the club were really on me saying you can't have another, because if you get to two then you know, you're really in trouble. Um, so um, from then on I was kind of really managed in terms of my, my whereabouts. And I had to be really honest, um, but invariably um, they have shut up the players' houses. I've never had that, but I do know that they, they do shut up the players' houses in those um, nominated hours. Um, and then they just shut up a training ground unannounced. You know, you see them seven or eight of them. Then they'll be representative from the FA. They'll be representative from the Premier League, and then there'll be UK anti-doping. Um, and then once uh, training finishes, you get nominated one guy, and then he's your guy. You know, he sticks with you. Um, you got to first thing you got to do is go and identify yourself with a, a identification, fill out umpteen forms, um, consenting, and then um, they'll always have a nurse with them then as well, and they'll take blood and urine, um, and then that's you. You got to stay there until um, until it's done, and you know they can pretty much um, go wherever they want. You know they try and restrict your movements, but if you need to go, uh, they won't let you go in the shower, um, obviously because you know if you. You can urinate in the shower with the water and then say that you couldn't urinate and stuff like that, so you're not allowed to go for a shower. Um, but they will allow you to put on fresh clothes and stuff, and then you have to go and sit with them. So uh, that's kind of just the routine, but it, it does happen quite a lot, yeah. More thorough than I would have thought, I'd say. Yeah, I think um, it's obviously a topic that comes up every so often. Um, I think here, I, I think still the, the number of tests that are done in a year would be a, a question mark. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, again, some sort of a broader debate to go into. I mean, there's obviously a, a random element to it there, but... but no, um, the selection as well, Dan. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do. Sometimes they show up with a, a bag of balls, uh, like lottery balls, and they pick out five numbers and there are five players. Other times they show up with a list. Yeah, yeah. Does, does so, so, like, does performance enhance... Yes, and, yes. Oh, sorry. Does, does, <laughs> it, does it, like, you know, obviously we, there are some sports where, like, cycling, where, where it's just it's so hard to be a professional that you know you're looking for an edge does it happen in football at all like anecdotally do you think players look for an edge or no like no no i don't think so um but, but having said that that's really naive of me to say that because i'm pretty sure it does go on but 
um, with the amount of testing that happens, um, it's, it's, it's difficult. But I remember towards the latter end of my career, I, I, I always seemed to get drug tested an awful lot because I was 35, 36, and I was playing every week. And I think they do look at stuff like that. Like if somebody gets into a really rich vein of form and is scoring a lot of goals or all of a sudden they're, you know, I presume that the anti-doping get access to, to, to physical data. And if they see the players are like spiking above normal, then they'll definitely show up. So if, if I was playing, you know, maybe 30 games a season at the age of 35, they'd kind of look at that and think that's not, um, I won't say it's not normal, but it's it's not not common. Um, and I used to get the back end of my career, I was always one of the ones that got pulled for drug testing. They so didn't call you in after Daily Mount, did they? That's not. <laughs> 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 they were like, did you, did you have a few last night? <laughs> no, I, I, that, well, that's one thing I never got. Actually, in the League of Ireland, I, I never saw. Um, mm. uh, I never, never saw um, uh, drug testing. Actually. Yeah, there will be no, the debate in Ireland. No, no, wouldn't there it? will be there will be very low numbers of tests, and that, yeah. Exactly, yeah. that would be a, that would definitely be a, <clears throat> a question. And yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean look, football has had issues in recent times. I mean, sort of cases in in Italy and and Spain and and um, very sort of valid questions raised at times. Um, I think it comes and, and even it sort of ties in with the. Um, what we're talking about, like with say fatigue and the schedule and stuff that um, you're, you're talking about sort of stuff that probably, you know, that, that is legal, but it's like, you know, the injections, the the painkillers, whatever, like it naturally encourages people to, 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 to push the boundaries a little bit more when it comes to that stuff, you know, when you have that type of schedule and clearly what would people say? It's like the medicalization of sports to some degree, you know, that there's stuff that is legal, but obviously you would say, is it necessarily healthy? You know, and this is the this is the thing, you know, and and um, sort of uh, you can sort of take this and take that, and it's fine, like it's inside the lines. But is it is it okay? I mean, it's I've, I've you know you tried to ask questions about this before um, to people, and and you think there's an issue, and you know I remember speaking to someone very involved who would who would say to me sometimes, and this is just reflective of society generally, you know, that sometimes where footballers might be vulnerable would be. You know, bad decisions on a on a Saturday night. Yeah. You know, and and for recreational, yeah, league. recreational, yeah, not, not and, and no. yeah, like exactly, and and that's something that I think you know has has would have there would be anecdotal tales I think where that would have maybe set alarms off for people if drug yeah. testers. Yeah, I mean, a major down. problem in racing, and you know, you've seen lots of cases of like cocaine abuse and stuff like that, and uh, I think in fairness they are attempting to stamp down it, but. Um, I, it, I've I've always kind of wondered about the League of Ireland. For me, it's just the, anecdotally that the testing just seems to be pretty slack. In the general. numbers are unbelievably small. Okay, we've got to take a break. Five three one zero six on a football Saturday with Damon Delaney, Dan McDonald, and Johnny Ward. Uh, latest scores in the FA Cup: Blackburn Rovers two, Birmingham one, Bristol City three, West Brom nil, Fulham one, Sunderland one, Ipswich nil, Burnley nil, Luton two, Grimsby two. Now Sheffield Wednesday nil, Fleetwood one, Southampton two, Blackpool one. In the Championship: Coventry two, Huddersfield nil, Hull three, QPR. Nil, Middlesbrough two, Watford nil, and in Scotland it is still Hibernian three, Aberdeen nil, and Rangers two, St Johnston nil. We're back after this. And you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John, going through three to five. This is Football Saturday. Remember, football and Off the Ball brought to you by Sky. The Premier League is back. Watch every live game for the rest of the season on Sky Sports, BT Sports, and Premier Sports. You can text us 53106. Listen across the country on News Talk. Also, watch us on the digital and social channels for Off the Ball on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and on the OTB Sports app. On the line is Damien Delaney, the former Republic of Ireland and Crystal Palace defender, and also in studio, Dan McDonnell of the Irish Independent and Johnny Ward, the broadcaster and journalist. Aaron Connolly scored again. 
uh, for Hull, his second of the game in Streaky. the championship. Yeah, they Streaky. they lead uh, keep your by three goals to nil. Damien, uh, for many times in the show, you've been you were very critical of Solskjaer and Man United um, back in the day. What's your view now on Ten Hag? How he's doing? How the project's going there? Well, I'm be interested to hear what you have to say. Really, about him. really good. Um, I, I, I enjoy watching Man United. Now there's there's a structure, there's patterns, um, there's discipline, um, and there's a cohesion there. Um, they're probably still a, a few players short, but I think they'll they'll get top four. Um, they'll probably win a trophy in, in the League Cup, potentially um, go deep in the Europa League. And, and, and considering it's his first season, I think all the signs are there. Um, I would still have my, my my reservations about the stuff that goes on over his head in terms of you know signings and and handing out new contracts. Um, you know he spoke about you know a couple of weeks ago there about I think something along the lines of average players too often we've overpaid that type of stuff and then the very next day they signed signed Veghorst and um, and, and Jack Butland. So uh, whether or not he'll be given the the ammunition to 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 fulfil what he wants, but. I think it's as great a chance as Manchester United have now of actually getting back to the top. But this guy needs to be um, backed. Now, I know there's a, a potential of a takeover. And I hope that the reason that they didn't sign anyone of note in January is that you know due diligence is, is going on at the moment and the club don't want to spend any money. Um, and hopefully the takeover will be complete by the summer. Um, and then they can set about um, moving pieces around the the, 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 the chessboard and, and getting Manchester United back to a, a competition level. But I think he's very, very good. And I, I like listening to him. I like watching him, everything he says, get a good sense from him. Um, and he's, you know, rejuvenated certain players like Marcus Rashford, Aaron Wambasaka looks like he's coming into his own now as well. Um, and he's obviously identified the problems and, and, and fixed them. But I think he can only do so much. And I think he's getting the max out of the squad that he has. Um, and I think, and I've always said that any manager's job is to look at the squad and the ingredients I have available to you. Are you getting the most out of it? And if the answer is yes, then then you can go to the board and say, hey, look, I'm getting everything I can out of the squad. You need to help me. Um, but too often with Manchester United, uh, especially under Solskjaer, I just felt that that team was just not anywhere near where it should be. Um, you know, picking the same players over and over again, regardless of performances, showing an unwillingness to to to, to change. Um, but look. Ten Hag is, is, is off to a great start and, and, and uh, pretty sure he'll do well. They play Reading tonight in the Cup. Liverpool away to Brighton tomorrow. Uh, they're bogey team at the moment. What does Klopp need to do to turn things around in Liverpool? Well, interesting. Um, very, very difficult for him at the moment. You know, the fatigue issue we talked about, if, if, if a certain number of players in, that have been on the road for a long time, the likes of, you know, Alexander-Arnold, Robertson, Salah, Jordan Henderson... Um, a lot of these players, Van Dijk, I know he's injured at the moment, but a lot of these players have been, you know, foot to the floor for a number of years, um, and they just can't seem to, to 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 get themselves any momentum, and that's a difficult part for them. I'm not sure how you roll back from that, other than, and it might seem drastic, but I just think he needs to call a few of the people that have done brilliant for Liverpool. Like who? Uh, Ah, I think like to Trent, Rob, Robertson. I'm not saying they need to be moved on, but I just think that they need to sign players to put them under a serious amount of pressure. You know, all those players I mentioned are always going to play. Um, you know, they're the, the first names on the team sheet, but they're not producing the same levels that they were. What about um, Salah, Demo? 
Well, Salah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I know he signed his contract in the summer, and I'm not for any any instance saying that all these players need to be sold and and the whole thing needs to be ripped up. But to, to try and get a bit of motivation back in them, sign players, drop them, leave them out of the team, um, and 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 if if you sign some serious competition. But I think with Liverpool, they have a, a need in midfield as well. So I'm not sure they're going to have time to sign uh, uh, players for competition here. But I think it's the best way to get it out of them, to put them under pressure again, to kick them back into gear. Um, but not just them, and obviously the new players that come in haven't gelled as as well. I'm not saying that's the only problem, but those players have come in haven't gelled as well. And then obviously the injury situation is huge as well. He had the competition at the top end of the pitch with with, with Luis Diaz and Jota and and um, and and um, what's the boy the centre forward? Nunes. Nunes. Yeah. Sorry, um, you know. So they brought in all these players, but then they all seem to be injured at one time or another, and he can never really get them all fit at, 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 at any one time. So. It's a difficult one for him. Um, you know, I think Liverpool just need to concentrate on getting on top four and just kind of batting down the hatches, get through this next period and then hopefully they're potentially getting a takeover as well where they'll be able to inject some 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 serious um, <clears throat> competition to that squad. But it's difficult. I think the, the Salah comments, sorry, Judy, that he made um, during the week ahead of the game were interesting in the sense that he... Uh, not the, Salah's not the problem there. Well, he's one of the problems. Cause Salah, I, I, no, I Salah's not playing well, but he, he essentially blamed it on the loss sort of, without, I don't think he named the loss of Mane, Mane and Firmino. Yeah. Th- that dynamic three, and they knew, yeah. and Liverpool, and I, I was almost... getting the supply. Yeah, I, like I was almost Man City, and Liverpool's another level, but Liverpool, again, they look like a team that they don't really exactly know what they're doing at the moment. Salah's kind of lost, and it, it, it's, it's amazing how football makes such a fool of you so soon, and that Manchester United and Arsenal are two teams where you're like, yeah, they know exactly what they're doing, they're performed to the max, and Man United were even briefly sort of flirting with the title race, Arsenal are favourites. Liverpool are 200 to 1 to win the title and you're like I'm not, I don't think they're going to get top 4 and they don't they, they, they look funny enough all of a sudden after like 4 or 5 months of the season they look like they have a lot of problems they actually look like they have a lot of problems I and think the last years have just caught up with them I, it ha- now, I do think the injuries that they've had with their strikers um, uh, but like if you look at the midfield Thiago doesn't seem I don't know what his role is Henderson is miles off at the times um, Van Dijk isn't the player he was and Liverpool just look a team that re- really you're not afraid of them at all Brighton will go out there Thinking that they're favourites tomorrow, like against yeah. Liverpool, and that's just how it is at the moment. Five three one six. Last season, Arsenal had their Champions League place under control. Then they lost at home to Crystal Palace at Hampton. They were hammered then by Spurs. They still have to play Manchester City twice. Says Lar. Hi lads, I've no problems with fatigue. This is my second text of the show. Says Sean. <laughs> uh, Dennis Irwin went to Colosse to crease three two. Not too shabby. Says Richard in Portleash. Uh, what a player. Uh, where Damien went and. Um, on YouTube as well, we've got a comment in here just about the kind of the competition of the size of Ireland. Um, dilution of talent pool means we'll need a miracle to succeed on the world stage. And also Croatia has a population of less than 5 million. Not much uh, Gaelic and Rugger played in downtown Zagreb, says uh, Craig Connick. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I wrote something about this during the World Cup. I think that like Croatia, if you look in recent years, they've incredibly good results in the Olympics and a variety of disciplines in sports. And I think sometimes from Ireland, that's it's the great comfort blanket excuse. It's like, well, we have the issues with. I mean, clearly, if we just didn't have those sports, we would be excelling because that's what we would do. As though there are other countries out there, you know, who are football mad, obsessed with bigger populations than Croatia, who can't succeed. So I just think that that's just almost like. I, I always find it a nonsense. Oh, sorry, Ga- Gaelic games no. was basically a sport that was born out of out of soccer, right? It was, no, I know it was that, but, so but, but, is there but, is there any comparable the but, sense that they're, but, they're so but, close? But you're sort of assuming that Ireland's issues are to do with numbers, playing the game, rather than like the inability to sort of create 
Yeah, I think I think it's twofold. Like, like like if you look, fold, at, if you look fold, at Croatia, like yeah. a, a, most of the Croatia, if you look into it, like a, a good portion of the Croatian players came through the Dynamo Zagreb Academy. Mm. Quite a large mm. number of them. So, uh, as I said, like you know, Serbia is a bigger population. Uh, you know, mad football country, and internationally, even by comparison, to hasn't qualified for a lot of tournaments yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So, I think for us here, Serbs it's always a very issues. arrogant thing almost to assume. Well, if we just obviously concentrate our resources on football, we'd be fine. But we don't have a track record of showing that we can properly sort of harness talent in this country. So to me, the issue is not to go, oh, we're doomed because of the people playing other sports. It's more a case of, well, actually, what can we do to maximise what we have? There's loads of people coming into Ireland, you've spoken about before, from like new communities and backgrounds, you know, that are, that... Um, Thankfully, they're know, more inclined yeah, to play football. Well, but, but it's about yourself, <laughs> like Luka Modric, like, you know, as a footballer, like you can create, like... Yeah. So I, I think there's... I just think that sometimes I, it's just thrown out there as an excuse that clearly we have these other sports rather than and then it's almost defeatist. In yeah, some but way. also like rather so than thinking we we actually have to we if, have if, the, the finance here still if it was channeled the right way it, to try and build you know and this is what we haven't done over a period of time. There's enough people playing football like in Dublin. I've I've looked into this before. Like there may be a little, little bit of a drop off issue at a certain point, but I spoke to a variety of people involved in football in Dublin. They're not concerned about numbers. There's no, but it, loads it's, it's of funny. teams My, and people would play. Some people play some sports. Some people would play others. There's still enough playing. Um, I say our sport in the context of this discussion. Um, that that you could thrive and succeed. But I mean, I still think all the other issues are in Irish football underage are like political mm. and about territory rather than necessarily a player drain although maybe some of that feeds into you know feeds I, into the attractiveness we, of we, 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 we have no academies here yeah actually of, of note now I know all the League of Ireland clubs have them and Shamrock Rovers are doing great work there producing talent and Shamrock Rovers seem to be the first team to have got their underage structure in order um, and that, our, that's, our, not, that's our, not necessarily true no fairness there are finish, other let clubs let him finish like, his point let him finish his point no yeah. I mean I mean, I mean in, in so far as like their they're, they're, they're training their um, facilities everything mm. they're, they're geared towards it you know a lot of other teams have got academies and it's almost like hoping we're churning out players but I think Rovers are genuinely making a conscious effort now at underage level there to be tr- to churn out players um, and, and I just think that if we had the facilities you're talking about Croatia you want to go to Croatia and see their facilities you know all the way down even the smallest town in in, in, in the far reaches of, of Croatia will have the right facilities to find players and get them into the Dinamo Zagreb facility you know I don't think we have that here we don't have enough of it here players then become a little bit like, oh, there's other sports, and then they drift. If we could get proper full-time academies around the country with the facilities and the requirements and everything they need, the environment for players to develop, we will develop football players, absolutely. But we just seem to, and it's coming, you know what I mean? We even look at the underage section now. We have players that are popping up, especially in Brighton and and, and across the water. It's getting there, but we just seem to have missed out on a generation of that. And we might have to wait a little bit longer. But I still think that, like, you know, even... Down here, you look at the Cork City's Academy, you know, the, the, the lads that are working there are doing their utmost, you know, but they're still training out of Bishopstone mm. in, in, in Cork, and it's just not adequate. Mm. If you're looking, Cork, Cork being the catchment area that it is, I know Kerry and Waterford are nearby in Limerick and whatnot, but the catchment area in Munster, if we had an absolute academy here where we could get all the best talent, similar to what Rovers are doing up in Dublin in, in, in their, with their work, 
you know, we can produce players, but we have to give them the environment to do that. I've, I've, I've made this point a million times, JD. If, if, if uh, you know, if the government is getting um, a great kind of bang for its buck for the money it's putting into horse racing and greyhounds in this country, it certainly is with horse racing. There's absolutely no reason whatsoever where the government can fund academies or help fund academies in this country because the benefits would be enormous for everyone out of betting money that's actually bet on football and isn't bet yeah. on horses. No, the funding pieces. I mean, where do you, where you can maybe talk about? comparison of sports there's no doubt there's a funding issue there I mean Damien talks I mean there's been talk for years about a, the, the centre in Glanmire that's meant to be yeah. at, again since forever you know and you're still waiting for like a shovel to appear with a lot of this stuff and, and that's where the sport has probably suffered here maybe in comparison to others rather than necessarily losing all the best players the potential players to them but anyway maybe it's, it's a circular debate maybe uh, just a couple of things to finish. Uh, Harry Kane could break the record for Spurs against Preston tonight, uh, surpassing Jimmy Greaves' uh, 266 goals at the moment. I was going through your your career. You faced him a good few times, Damien, in the Premier League. What was he like to see man to man? Look, he's a handful. Like absolutely. Um, you know, one thing you always had to be aware of going into games with him is he's he's, he's greedy. He shoots from anywhere, and he shoots the least point you expect it. That's one thing. Left and right foot. Sometimes he just picks a ball up on the edge of the area and he's kind of facing and you kind of think to yourself, well, he's just going to pass that wide to, to the left back and he's not even facing the goal and all of a sudden with no back lift, he just gets a shot off um, and he used to shoot from crazy angles as well. You know, even down near the end line, he would just put his foot through it. Um, considerably better in the air um, than what, what you might think. Um, really, really um, elusive um, on corners, I used to always have to pick him up on corners, and he was very, very difficult. He used to always pull off the back here, um, and he's an all-round top, top player, and he's a good fella as well. Um, and I hope he does break, or he will break Jimmy Greaves' record. Um, and I just hope that he gets some semblance of a trophy for his first time at Spurs, because it, it looks like that's where he's going to to finish up now. I think that move to Man City when it failed to materialise last year, that was probably his one hope um, of getting out. But it looks like he's going to be a one-club guy. Um, in my opinion, and I just hope he gets a trophy of some description. Wasn't that the line from Brian Clough in that documentary where he's interviewed late in life? He goes, I was the first person to get to X number of goals and even quicker than Greavesy. And by the way, Greavesy was the best of the lot. Like, Big time, and I think he's probably right there. FA Cup uh, scores coming up to full time Blackburn 2, Birmingham 1, Bristol City 3, West Brom 0, Fulham 1, Sunderland 1, Ipswich 0, Burnley 0, Luton 2, Grimsby 2, Sheffield Wednesday 1, Fleetwood 1, Southampton 2, Blackpool 1. Results from earlier Accrington 1, Leeds 3, Walsall 0, Leicester 1. A goal has just gone in, Blackburn 2, Birmingham 2 now. Uh, Preston Spurs at 6, as I said, Man United Reading at 8 in Scotland, Hibernian 5, Aberdeen 0 now. Uh, Rangers 2, St Johnston 0, Ross County 3, Kilmarnock 0, St Mirren 1, Motherwell 0 and also in the Championship, Coventry 2, Huddersfield 0, Hull 3, QPR 0, Aaron Connolly twice, Middlesbrough 2, Watford 0. I think you, you kind of did touch upon it but as uh, somebody was going, uh, Brian, how about Johnny getting a mention of football cliches? Absolutely hilarious. Yeah, well this oh, yeah, was, this was, was our, was, our uh, discussion about... Talk about um, hands up. Talk about caught right-handed. So, yeah, our discussion about uh, football <laughs> cliches last week, someone listened to it and sent it into Football Cliches with a very popular podcast that sort of goes over this stuff, this stuff consistently, and it was pointed out that like 10 minutes after Johnny's rant on football cliches, he spoke about a horse downing tools. At the point, though, like, what, what tools is a horse? To, to be fair now, I, I, I don't think it was a rant, but you know the way in Father Ted where he's like, I can explain everything. Actually, no, I can't. I was like, I have absolutely no comeback to this. Like, I was done. That was it. Like, I, I was made look like an absolute idiot. I down tools. I down tools. 
Uh, five three one six is we'll just do it for you, Dan, as well. Um, uh, does Dan have any news on Stephen Kenny's backroom team? Alan Sheehan, first team coach of the Hampton, could be a great addition. Love the show. Is he going to get a number three in before the France game? I think he will. Yeah. No, I mean Anthony Barry was. Uh, there were talks about Anthony Barry coming back, and that that hasn't happened. And um, we'll see if he ends up going to Portugal potentially or not. Um, I think there will be a replacement. Yes, I'm. I don't know who it is. Um, I don't know what's on the list. I mean, Alan Sheehan, and Sheehan, as you mentioned, um, has actually taken up a prominent role at Southampton. Um, but uh, the assumption probably is that it will be a, a double jobbing type of candidate again. Right. Um, but it's obviously been a risk with that in the past. You know that there, the that something happens that that opens doors for them. Um, and I suppose there's an element of prioritising now that you need someone to be able to say that you're going to be there for the year um, there's so. a bit of drama JD last minute Sunderland have scored it's a great goal on the break little uh, kid uh, by the name of Rick, Rick who looks like he looks like he's back to school on Monday he's really, really he's, this. what a moment for the kid um, a great little break off the bar I think it's onside Um yeah, Sunderland 2, Fulham 1 in the cup. And this has been the story of the game from a Sunderland perspective. Really, really fast on the break. Watch this for a lovely pass as well. Little reverse move. Oh, he's off. He's offside. Yeah. There we go. That's okay. going to be this chalked off. could be going to replay. The yeah. third and fourth round match is still going to replay. The, oh, the, the kid thinking he's won the yeah, tie in yeah, the cup yeah, on a Saturday yeah. live. And, and, it's, and it's still 1-1 one, one between Fulham and Sunderland. we got to leave it there. Damien, great stuff as always. Thanks so much. Thanks, lads. And Dan and Johnny, thanks so much as always, lads. Yeah, I got to recommend to Damon before we go uh, the the Tehran documentary. I know he is a, a, an interest in the country. The Tehran series on uh, Disney Plus, and uh, I'd like to get his reaction to it. Johnny, we should clarify that before we go. Like <laughs> <laughs> an interest in the country. <laughs> his missus is from Iran. Basically. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> Johnny is more so dressed like he's an interest in Iran. <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> On that, <laughs> on that note, Johnny Ward, Dan McDonald, Damien Delaney on Football Saturday. You never know where it's going to go. Off the ball. Feels like we're in the running already. There's still half a season to go. I'm not sure how long you can maintain that sort of nervous energy, that emotional intensity. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app.